Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, and appreciate you joining us for another episode here of Everyday Truth. Have a postcard from one of my favorite places to visit, uh, Pensacola Christian College right there. That's the incredibly beautiful Crown Center. And this postcard is from Cassie Hughes. So Cassie is a senior. Matter of fact, by the time this airs, Cassie, you will have graduated. So congratulations to you. And Cassie is from Houston, Texas. She listens every day, and she's going to go this summer to work at Answers in Genesis. So what an exciting opportunity that is, Cassie. Thanks for encouraging me, and I am excited about your new career at Answers in Genesis. So pray for Cassie when you think about it, and hope you have a great summer. Hope I see you down the trail as we uh, visit that uh, area from time to time. Mark chapter uh, 14, uh, this... uh, well, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening, uh, Mark chapter 14, we are in the end, the end of the Lord's Supper time, the Last Supper, I should say, Passover meal. Jesus has been speaking to, teaching the disciples at some point. Judas leaves to betray the Lord, but not having been warned. Remember, Jesus warned him. God's warnings are God's mercies. We talked about that. Now we're in verse number 26, uh, where the Bible says, And when they had sung an hymn, they went out onto the Mount of Olives. So they change venues. They leave that upper room, which is probably located in a section of Jerusalem called Mount Zion. And I can point that out to you one day. Hope hope you'll come with me one day on an Israel trip. I'll show it to you. But uh, they make their way down to the Valley of Kidron, across the valley to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the lower part of the Mount of Olives. So it's a little bit of a walk, but but not not too long. And but the Bible says when they had sung in him, and I love that because what that tells me is that Jesus and the disciples sang. That night. Can you picture Jesus singing? How how special that is. Now think about it. It's the night of betrayal. It's the night before his crucifixion. It's a night when he tells them, uh, I'm going away. Uh, I'm leaving. Uh, In my father's house are many mansions, right? That whole thing. And so these are dark moments when you think about it, and yet they're singing. So have you ever wondered what did they sing? Well, it certainly wasn't a song that you and I sing. It wasn't, you know, Great is Thy Faithfulness, although that would would have been wonderful or Amazing Grace. Those songs obviously had not been written. So what was the hymn that they sang on that night? It was probably Psalm 118. Now, why? Because that would be the psalm that they would sing last on the Passover night. So it's one of what we call the Hallel songs. Hallel, praise the Lord, like Hallelujah, Hallel Psalms. And what's really interesting, I want to read this for you in Psalm 118. It's a longer psalm, but it's just so precious to me. 
this is probably the hymn that they sang on that night. And the Bible says in verse number 21, just to pick it up there, I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Verse 22, the stone which the builders disallowed is become the head of the corner. So part of that psalm, as they sang it, was singing about how the Jewish people would not recognize the stone. They would not recognize the, the, the headstone, and they would set it aside until later when they would realize, oh, this stone was the stone, was the key stone, uh, and they didn't realize it. So obviously, when they're singing this, there's, this is full of meaning because that's exactly who Jesus is, that stone whom the builders have rejected. Now, look at verse number 23. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes, but God has a work, a marvelous work that of redemption. And God has a marvelous architectural plan when it comes to our uh, orchestrating and, and architecting our redemption. Look at verse number 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Wow. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, we love to sing that, this is the day. We sing that song, and it's a, it's a great song. But what day was that day talking about? Well, especially consider this. In the, the Jewish reckoning of time, the evening and the morning were the first day. So the day began in the evening and in the morning. The evening and the morning were the first day. So if that be the case, when they sang this song, then by nine o'clock in the morning, Jesus was on the cross. So the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made, we will rejoice, was the day of his crucifixion. So think about as they sang that hymn, that night in the upper room, how full of meaning that was. They're singing about the rejected stone that God has used in his spiritual architecture to make be the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous. And then this is the day. God made this day. This is the day. The day that will change every other day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We rejoice in Calvary. We rejoice in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We rejoice uh, that Jesus did that for our salvation. So, boy, this hymn is just full of meaning, and the disciples probably didn't understand it. They probably sang it like they had sung it uh, many other times. The words and the lyrics were probably very, very familiar. They sang it by memory, like we sing sometimes the hymns or the songs in our churches. We sing them, but are we really understanding the words? Well, one person, no doubt, that was understanding those words was Jesus himself, as that song was about him, the living word of God. Now, back to Mark 14, and let's look at verse number 26. So when they had sung in him, they went out into a Mount of Olives. And, and Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. 
And then he quotes a verse there in verse number 27. For he said, for it is written rather, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. So interesting. He quotes that verse from Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 7. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. And after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. So Jesus said, listen, here's what's going to happen tonight. You're all going to, in a sense, betray me. Now, they had all already asked, is it I? Is it I? And they weren't the ones that would betray him in the sense of what Judas did. But that night, they would all be offended because of him. That they, the, the pressure of his arrest, the pressure of being in the minority or being intimidated by the soldiers that would come would cause all of them to forsake him that night. And indeed, that happened. Uh, a great verse that illustrates that or states that is Matthew 26, 56, where they all forsook him and fled. They ran for their lives, including Peter, who had so demonstrably said, not I, I won't, though everyone else does, I won't. He did too. The point here is they were all weak and they all were failures that night in that sense. And yet Jesus was gracious and each one of them, except for the son of perdition himself, Judas was restored to a place of productivity for the cause of Jesus Christ. And uh, the Bible says, but after I'm risen. So Jesus not only predicted their betrayal or their offendedness that night, but he also predicted their regathering. Because when I'm risen, so there's the good news. Yes, I'm going to die. Yes, I'll be arrested tonight. Yes, I'm going to that place that I've talked about. But when I'm risen, but there's the good news. Then I will go before you into Galilee. Guys, we're going to go back. We're going to meet again in that special spot. They're probably the very same spot at that mountain in Galilee where Jesus had given them the Beatitudes about two and a half years before this, where Jesus had formally called them the night before in that all-night prayer meeting. Guys, I'm going to reconnoiter the troops. I'm going to put you back into a place. I'm going to recommission you. I'm going to recall you in that sense. Remember, Jesus did that exact thing for Peter. When Peter was in that boat in John 21, and Jesus said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And he said, lovest thou me more than these? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was really just recommissioning Peter. Same thing. That's the, the first commission, Luke chapter 5, with the casting of the net and and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I mean, Jesus did the exact same thing. Aren't you glad for the second chances that the Lord provides us? And he's intimating here in March chapter 14 that there would be that next chance. When I'm risen, it'll all change. The resurrection power of Christ, the newness and the freshness of ministry with the resurrected Christ and the indwelling spirit. What a great harbinger of mercy and grace this verse is. Look at verse number 29, but Peter. So remember, Peter was probably the primary source for Mark in writing this book. So Peter is actually telling on himself here, isn't he? Because this book was written long after. And the Bible says, but Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Lord, I'm going to be the exception to the rule. You've made this prediction about everybody running, everyone leaving, everyone betraying, but not I. I won't do it. 
And of course, verse 30, Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, yeah, this day, it was that very night, wasn't it? Even in this night before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently. No, 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 Peter protested. If I should die with you, I will not deny thee in any wise, not one little smidgen. Likewise also said they all. Now, Peter was demonstrative. Absolutely not. You are wrong, Jesus. I will never do this. So compelling was Peter's denial of the fact that he would be a denier that the other disciples, I think maybe out of guilt or or maybe out of uh, a false sense of bravado, said, neither will we. And all of them that night, no way, no way, no way. And yet within hours, every single one of them had done exactly what Jesus predicted they would do. Let's stop there in verse number 31, just uh, for sake of time today. We're in Gethsemane now. All of this is happening on the way. And they arrive at the garden and some other things of importance take place. But we won't get to that today. So let's stop there. We'll jump back into verse number 32 next time. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.